moved by what's happening around us. All right, thanks, Kara. All right. Well, good morning, everybody. I'm gonna actually set this down here. Good morning. So glad you guys are with us today. Yeah. Good time of worship, right? Isn't that good? I love, love being together and getting a chance to worship like that. So that's just awesome. Um, I'm going to start out this morning. Uh, just I want to share a little bit with you. Uh, one of my favorite musicals, in fact, probably my favorite musical of all time, is one by the name of Les Mis, right? Les Miserables. And uh, it's, you might have caught a movie a couple years ago. Hugh Jackman and uh, Russell Crowe did a version of this, which is fantastic. Uh, but the story is um, actually comes from Victor Hugo, uh, centuries old. It's uh, about a man by the name of Jean Valjean, and uh, he had been imprisoned for stealing a loaf of bread, and he'd been in prison for decades. He'd been in for a super long time. He's finally released, but but in that day, um, uh, former felons had to carry with them an identity card, and before you could come and and stay at an inn or at any place like that, you had to show your papers. And so any, any self-respecting innkeeper would never let a former dangerous villain, right, be able to stay in their place. And so this, this uh, happened for four nights after he was released. He had no place to stay. No, nobody would give him food. He was starving. He was wasting weight. He was tired. And uh, finally, a kind bishop invited him into his home. He fed him, gave him a, a meal and a warm place to sleep for the night. And uh, it's... What I love about it is the whole thing is just one huge story of grace. And so I'm going to share a clip with you uh, this morning uh, from Les Mis, and uh, I want to talk about it and kind of use that as a segue into our message today. We should have papers. Slippery stable, please. Get out.
We have you silver. We caught this man red-handed. You don't know to say you gave him this. That is right. But my friend, you left so early. Surely something slipped your mind. You forgot. I gave these also. Would you leave the rest behind? This Elisa, this man has spoken true. I commend you for your duty. Now Lord's blessing go with you. But remember this, my brother. Seeing this some higher plan. You must use this precious silver to become an honest man by the witness of the martyrs by the passion and the blood God has raised you out of darkness I have saved your soul for finds this guy, this former convict, out on his front steps, and uh, what does he do? He invites him in, right, to, to eat, to warm himself by the fire. He, I mean, he gives him a place to stay for the night when no one else did, and how is he repaid for his kindness? What happens? He steals from him, right? He takes all the silver he could find in the house, and he runs off. He gets caught and brought back before him, right? Justice is about to be served, but rather than justice, what does he do? He gives him, yeah, he gives him mercy is the first step, right? Where he says, no, 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 what he's saying is the truth, right? He, he, he says, basically release him, but he says, my friend, you, you forgot the best stuff. And so he goes and he takes the best, he gives him a gift. When he deserved punishment, right, when he deserved consequences, he was given grace. And this act of grace transformed Jean Valjean's life, right? I mean, from this point forward, the rest of the story is about how the same grace that had so transformed his heart, uh, he, he's able to give to others in the way that, that grace continues to change lives, one after another, after another, after another, until he is welcomed home. Well, Victor Hugo uses this whole thing as sort of an allegory, sort of a picture of what, what God's grace is like for us, that that's the way his mercy and his forgiveness and his love offered to un, ungrateful, right, undeserving people when we deserve punishment, we deserve consequences, we deserve to be cast out. Instead, God turns to us and he pours out his love and he gives us grace. He gives us better than we could ever possibly deserve. And that is, in, in Christian circles, 
in the church, that is what we call good news, right? That's the good news of the gospel. It's what each and every one of us is betting. I mean, if, if you're a Christ follower, you're betting it all on this truth, right? Because we're it's what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. Every other religion in the world is based on us earning or deserving or working for our salvation, working for God's love, working for God's forgiveness. Christianity is unlike any other because it says, you know what, if it comes down to what we deserve, not a one of us deserve it. We don't deserve right relationship with God. We don't deserve forgiveness. We don't deserve his love. And yet, God loves us anyway. And he gave himself. He paid the ultimate price for our sins on the cross. He died so that we can live, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can be free. Christianity is all about undeserved favor given to us through the person of Jesus Christ, right? In fact, if you were to go back and kind of look at the, the entire overarching story of the entire Bible, you would see the entire story is saturated with this whole idea of God's grace, of, of, of him not giving us what we fully deserve, but instead giving us grace and forgiveness and love. If you go all the way back to the beginning, you read about Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve, I mean, they had it made in the shade, baby. I mean, they were they were created and put in, uh, in put in God's presence, right? In the garden, in paradise, to live with him and be with him forever. Does that sound okay to you? Is that kind of like, yeah, that sounds like it's a pretty sweet gig, right? That's what we're created for. Only one thing, only one rule of any kind says, you know what? Don't eat from, from this tree over here, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. If you eat of it, you will surely die. And what happens? The one thing, right? The one thing. They're like, hey, check this out. This fruit looks awesome. Let's eat it. And then Eve gives it to her, her husband, Adam, and he eats it. And all of a sudden, they're away. Their, their, their shame comes into the world. Death comes into the I mean, there's all this stuff that comes flooding and they find themselves in the bushes hiding from the very one that made them. And God, and from that point forward, in fact, you can you can see there's consequences for sin, right? We see it. But but from that point forward, he starts making promises about, you know what, I'm I'm gonna I'm working in a way that gives you another chance to, to come back and receive grace. And receive forgiveness in a way that you can be brought one day back to the garden, back into a right relationship with God, that your sins could be forgiven, that you could be freed from them, freed from your past, that you could live life with God once again. And we start seeing that, 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 that same story place, and we see it all over the place, right? Then you see Jonah, right? You can kind of see in the story of Jonah, that's, a, that's one that many of us have heard of, and uh, God speaks to Jonah, and he says, man, I want you to go to the people of Nineveh. They are far from me, far, far from God, God says. He says, I want you to warn me to turn back, turn back and find mercy and grace, because this is not going to work out for them. <laughs> and so Jonah, uh, by the way, this is not the first place, but it, it's a place that we start seeing um, favoritism, uh, maybe worse, right? I mean, he's like, I don't like those people, right? This is where some racism, maybe you can call it, whatever. But he's like, I don't like those people. I don't want them to receive your grace. I don't want them to be forgiven. They are my enemies. He hates them. And so what does he do? Instead of going to Nineveh, where God's calling him, he runs as far as he can in the opposite direction, in a, in a very um, strange and 
one-of-a-kind sort of stories, God gets his attention, doesn't he? God gets Jonah's attention, takes him, and, and we looked at this, I don't know, maybe a month ago or something, he takes him down, 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 down. There's this downward trajectory that happens. He, he finally hits rock bottom, literally, right? And he looks up, and he starts crying out to God, and God is gracious to him. He forgives him. He gives him a second chance, and he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to Go to the people of Nineveh. And Jonah says, I think that's a great idea. I mean, personally, I'm all in, right? I mean, he's like, let's, let's do it. And so, and so he goes to Nineveh. And not only is God gracious to Jonah, but he's, he's gracious to 120,000 people in Nineveh who turn back to him and ask for forgiveness. And he pours out his grace and love and forgiveness on undeserving people, on Jonah and on Nineveh. Because... He's a gracious sort of guy. And you keep going. I mean, again, you even get to the New Testament. You see this over and over and over again. Simon Peter, right? Simon Peter, the disciple, that when Jesus was, I mean, his life was hanging in the balance, right? He's arrested, wrongfully accused. He's about to be executed. And, and he, he, Jesus had even talked to Peter about this ahead of time. said, you know, before the rooster crows, you're going to deny me three times. He said, no, Lord, I'm prepared to go to die for you, right? He's like, I'm all in. I would die for you, right? I mean, he's like doing this kind of thing. And what happens? Just a few hours later, he's sitting by a, a campfire. And there's a little girl there that says, hey, weren't you with Jesus? And he's like, I don't know the man, right? Denies him three different times. And the rooster crows, and it comes back to him, and he's like, Broken. He goes back. In fact, he, he leaves. As do all the other disciples. They scatter. They leave Jesus alone. They abandon him. And you think, man, I mean, what, what is it? What are they going to get from Jesus? They abandon him. And in, in his moment of being, the scene comes a little bit later where Jesus appears to Simon Peter and then eventually the other disciples. And he restores them and he forgives them and he pours out his grace on them. It's a story of the Bible. Paul, right, used to be known as Saul, then meets Jesus and becomes Paul, but he wrote probably half of the New Testament, the Apostle Paul, kind of the, the central, kind of one of the central heroes of his Christ followers go in the New Testament. And, uh, and yet his past was he used to kill Christians. He hated the church. He persecuted Jesus and everything he stood for. And yet God gave him grace and mercy. Even if you go through, I mean, Jesus' interaction, man, he was called a friend of sinners and tax collectors and ruffians and thugs and all this kind of stuff. And you see one story after another where Jesus appears to them and, and, uh, and, and treats them with mercy. One, one of the famous ones, right, the, the adulterous woman, woman that had been caught in the act of adultery. And all the religious leaders of that day, they know what you do with a woman like that. You kill her. You stone her. So they start picking up rocks and they're like, we're going to stone. She's going to get what she deserves. And Jesus, right, says, well, okay, which one of us is without sin? You, you go ahead. If you are sinless, then you go ahead and cast the first stone. To which also you can hear is probably rocks dropping. <laughs> oh, all right, drop, 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 drop. And Jesus gives her grace. He says, well, neither do I condemn you, but now go and live a new life. Live a life freed from your past, freed from from that sin in John. Come and live the life that you are born for. The overall theme of the entire Bible from beginning all the way to the end is one of grace. You don't know why? Because it's, if God is going to love us and, and, and offer forgiveness and whatever else, that's all he's got to work with. Why? Because we are undeserving, sinful people. 
and yet he loves us anyway. And yet he dies for us anyway so that we can live, so that we can be forgiven, so that we can know his love and come back home to Eden, come back into right relationship with him. I mean, this is jaw-dropping. There's a song right, that was written a long time ago called Amazing Grace. It, it's amazing, right? That's why it's called that. It's jaw-dropping. It's awe-inspiring that a God, God himself, would love us like that, would come after us that way. When we had, sort of like Jean Valjean, we had stolen from him and turned away and run away and gone, gone as far as we possibly could, that he would restore us forgive us, love us, and give us better, so much better than we deserve. It's grace. And the question I want, to, I want us to think about this morning in just the little amount of time that we have here uh, is I want us to be thinking if, if that's the story of the Bible, if, if God could forgive and be gracious to Adam and Eve when they turned away, and he, could, he could be gracious to Jonah when he ran as far away from God as possible. If he could be gracious to the woman caught in adultery who had had affair after affair after affair after affair, if he could be gracious and forgiving and loving towards her, or, you know, Paul, who used to kill Christians and persecute the church, or Peter, who denied Jesus not once, not twice, but three times in his hour of need and then abandoned him. If God could forgive and love and pour out his grace on people like that, could he do it too? Could he be just that gracious, just that loving, just that merciful to you? And the, of course, the, over, the overwhelming evidence from the Bible is yes, right? Yes, of course. And yet so often I think we don't live that way. We forget it. And we start, we start thinking again, like we're, we gotta work and we gotta do our, our things. We gotta pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. We gotta, we gotta be good enough for God. And if we ever screw up, and that sort of throws the whole thing. It's so easy for us to lose sight of grace. It's one of the reasons why Jesus left for his disciples, his followers, a practice, a practice that's been followed for the last 2,000 years, a practice that he says every time that you get together, right, with as a church, as believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, when you get together and you eat bread and you drink the cup, he says, I want you to remember grace. I want you to remember the price that was paid so that you don't have to try and work your way back up to God. The price that was paid so that undeserving sinners like you and me can come back home to Eden, can be restored in relationship to God, can be forgiven and made new and freed from the past. He says, and I want you regularly, I want you over and over and over again, I want you to celebrate communion, the Lord's Supper. And every time you do, remember me. Remember my grace and my love and my salvation that is offered to you free of charge. Well, I just just for a couple minutes before we're gonna, like I said, in just a couple minutes, we'll have a, a chance to actually celebrate communion together and and uh, and not talk about it, but really have a, have a chance where we can we can eat the bread, where we can drink the cup ourselves, and we can take a few minutes to remember the grace of, and mercy and love of God, but also receive it and open up our hearts. Uh, whether we've done it before or never done it before, it doesn't matter. If we just open up our hearts and lives and just say, Jesus, 
I need your grace. I need your love and your forgiveness. I need the, the forgiveness that you died on the cross to offer me. I need the new life, the restoration, all that kind of stuff. I need you. And so we're going to have a chance to practice that through communion. Before we do, I'd like to just remind us a little bit of, of, of God's grace, about the, about the, a little bit about the forgiveness that he offers. Because sometimes, like, like I said, we lose sight of it. I'll just say three things. I'm going to share a few scriptures, just kind of rapid fire here, just to remind us. The first thing, again, this is not rocket science, super simple, but we need to be reminded. Next slide, if you can. Just says that Jesus still forgives completely, right? In the same way that he did for all these people throughout human history, he still forgives and offers grace completely to us. He forgives entirely and makes us new. I pray, uh, guys, some of you know or have seen my ugly mug on Facebook, right? I mentioned this last week, but we're doing this uh, this wonky thing. Just offering to pray for people, anybody that needs it. We've had about 50 people in the last, I don't know, 10 days or so that we've gotten the, the privilege to pray for. It's been amazing. And, and so many times, so many people, I'm just hearing as they're kind of crying out and sharing their prayer requests with me and we're kind of going back and forth, is so often you can just hear guilt and shame and regret about stuff from their past. Sometimes they'll talk about broken relationships or they'll talk about addiction kinds of things that have happened again and again. And you can just, I mean, I can't see them, but you, you know, even just online, you can kind of feel just the weight of it. And there's this, this, this sort of understanding, saying, I'm not sure if I can ever be forgiven. I'm not sure I can ever be free from that stuff. I'm not sure I can... You see, there's, there's, there's a sort of lie that I think oftentimes we believe, and yet I just want us, as, as we take communion today, and we are reminded that there is complete and full forgiveness for you and me from our past, that we can be wiped clean, our past can be wiped out, we can be made new, and we can live a new life in Christ. Jesus still forgives completely. Listen to this, Colossians 2 says this, Said so you were once dead because your sins and because your sinful nature had not yet been cut away. Like this is before Christ. Right? You used to live in all that stuff and you were dead spiritually. But then it says, God made you alive with Christ. He, he resurrected you, so to speak. He forgave all of our sins. What do you suppose the word all means in the original language? All. All, right? He forgave all. All of our sins. Yeah, but what about the all? What about this or this ongoing or this? Whether I've done this so many times, He forgave us all of our sins. He canceled the record containing the charges against us. He took it and He destroyed it by nailing it to Christ's cross. I love the imagery here. It's almost like if there were a, a paper or a tablet or a scroll or something. It's almost like. If every charge, everything you've ever done wrong was written down one line after the other, after the other, after the other, it would go a long way. So are we agreed? <laughs> Have you ever screwed up? Have you ever turned away from God? Ever functioned on your own? Ever knew what you should do, but you didn't do it? You did something else, right? All of us, there'd be a long list. It's almost like, he's like, look, what if there was a list of all the charges that were true and made you guilty of sin? He said, but imagine... It's like those were taken to the cross and those were annihilated. They were destroyed. The entire list is shattered and scattered to the wind. And for those that are in Christ, you are completely, entirely, fully forgiven and free from them. Past, present, future. They are gone. They are no more. Is that good news? That's good news for, for people like you and me. They are completely destroyed. 
Erwin Lutzer puts it this way. I think this is great. He says, there's more grace in God's heart than there is sin in your past. It doesn't matter how bad, how ugly. It doesn't matter how far from God you have strayed. There is grace available for you. There is no sin that is so great that Christ's love and his grace can't and won't wipe it out if we turn to him and receive it. Receive that grace. Oh, such good news. He's the God of second chances. He's the God of grace. He's the God that can and will forgive us completely and make us new. Let's go on to the second one. Second thing is that Jesus still forgives and loves you. He does it freely, right? With, without cost to you and me. I've shared this story before. I love this one, but uh, but it's a story about a little boy that gets a slingshot for his birthday. You guys remember this story? Some of you do. Um, and there was only one stipulation. Mom gave him this, this slingshot for his birthday. It's just She's like, this is great. I'm happy to give it to you. One condition, don't kill any living thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I would never, right? I would never do that, Mom. And so he takes it out back, and what do you think he does? <laughs> he, he picks up a rock, and he starts, he pulls it back, he starts looking around. What can I aim at? What can I aim at? Oh, there on the pond, there's a duck. And he thinks, I probably won't hit it anyway, right? What's he do? He lets it go, <laughs> hits the duck, kills it right there. <laughs> All of a sudden, he remembers it, and panic strikes this little boy's heart. And so he goes running into the pond, he grabs the duck, he's like, I don't know. So he goes and grabs a shovel, he digs a hole, he buries the thing, puts the dirt back, and he goes to look around just to make sure he's not caught. When all of a sudden he sees his little sister just sort of sitting over there smirking, right? Kind of. She doesn't say a thing. Doesn't say a thing. And uh, but later, uh, you know, when it's about lunchtime, uh, they, they, the kids are inside, and uh, and when you know, the mom kind of reminds uh, the little girl, says, you know, Sally, just remember you're gonna help me with dishes after we're done here. And she said. No, I'm not. We were talking before, and my brother said that he uh, he wanted to help with dishes today. And she kind of smirked at him, right? Kind of winked at him. And so he's like, okay, I'll do it, right? Kind of thing. And then, uh, again, this kind of kept going. Like, every time she had chores for several days, she would look over at him, and occasionally she'd say, I mean, kind of like just to, just to kind of remind him. And so for several days, he's doing both his chores and her chores and the guilt and the shame and everything is sort of building up on his shoulders. And finally, when he can take it no more, he confesses to his mom and says, Mom, I can't take it. I did it. I killed, I killed the duck. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to. But I took a stone. I pulled it back and I killed it. And to, to which the mom replied, I know. I saw you do it. She said, but what I can't figure out is why you let your sister enslave you when all you had to do was come and, and receive forgiveness from me for free. And I just think, man, how often is that true of us? We screw up, we blow it, but rather than just turning back to the Lord and receiving, confessing it and receiving his grace just to cleanse us in that moment, we start, we let distance set in. We start distancing from God, sometimes from other people. We start carrying loads on our shoulders and there's guilt and there's shame. Sometimes we try to, you know, kind of up our, our spiritual game and sort of do things a little better to kind of try and prove that we earn it or whatever. But we find ourselves enslaved rather than just coming and finding grace for free. With Jesus, forgiveness is always available to you and to me free of charge. Listen to a couple of these verses. Isaiah 43 puts it this way. 
I, I love this, just this picture. It says, I am the God who forgives your sins. I do this because of who I am, God says. I will not hold your sins against you. Isn't that powerful? He, he is a gracious God. It's not just that he does gracious things. That's who he is. He functions out of grace towards his kids. And of course, Romans 6.23 puts it this way. For the wages of sin, the consequences of sin that we deserve is death. But because of Christ, the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Right? Because of what he has done for us, there is a free gift instead of the death penalty that's available to you and me. Jesus still forgives freely. He does it free of charge to us. You can't earn it. You do not deserve it. If you deserve it, in fact, it's not grace. All you have to do is open wide your heart and receive it. There is a fresh start for you. There is forgiveness available to you free of charge this morning if you'll receive it. And the third one is just that Jesus still forgives any anybody, anyone who asks, anybody who sees their need and comes to him in faith can be completely forgiven. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how bad you've blown it, how far from God you've been. It doesn't matter. I mean, you could have killed Christians right in the past. You could have, you could have been the worst sinner that there is on the planet. He says, the doors of his kingdom, the doors of his grace are wide open to you today if you'll just come in and receive it. Let's do a couple of these scriptures. First John 2 says, my dear children, I write this to you so that you will not sin. But if any of you does sin, we have one who speaks to the Father in our defense, Jesus Christ, the righteous one. He is the atoning sacrifice. He is the sacrifice for our sins, and not only our sins, but also the sins of the whole world. In fact, what he's saying is the doors of my kingdom are wide open. The doors to receive forgiveness and grace are wide open to anyone in the world that would come and receive it, that would come and put their faith and trust in Christ John 3 puts it this way, right? This is a kind of a well-known part of Scripture, but it says this, For this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only Son, so that everyone who believes in him, everyone who puts their faith and trust in Jesus, will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his Son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. That kind of forgiveness is available to each and every one of us. Right? Free of charge, you know, no matter how far from him you've been or how close. No matter what, if you see your need and you come today and you just say, Jesus, I need you to come and rescue me. I need you to come and save me. I need you to come and forgive me and pour out your grace on me. Because of Jesus, anyone who puts their faith and trust in him will be forgiven. Period. That's it. That's mic drop. From Jesus, right? That's, that is that is the, that's the end of it. That's it is finished. The only question that really comes to mind uh, for me and for you is: Are you living in that grace today? Are you are you experiencing that kind of freedom and forgiveness? Are you are you learning to to be restored day by day? And, and yes, just turning to Him when when you screw up, you turn to Him and you ask for forgiveness, and then you come back into right relationship with Him and finish your day. Are you living with him like that today? Or if you're honest, are you living in guilt and shame? Are you living in, uh, in, in ways that you're enslaved to 
the past when all you have to do is come and find the free gift, full forgiveness available to you and me, anybody that would put our trust in Christ. One author put it this way, and then I'll kind of wrap up for today, but one author describes it and says, you know, it's kind of, God's grace is sort of like waves in the ocean. And they said, and living life with God is sort of like, uh, you know, being a surfer, which, forgive me for the analogy, but it's sort of like being a surfer. And they said, you know what? Every, every moment, God's giving us an opportunity, a wave of opportunity, a wave of grace to do life with him, to, 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 uh, to abide in him and remain in him, to keep our eyes fixed on him, to obey him and follow him and worship him. Every moment is a wave of grace. Another opportunity is that sometimes... We, we bite it, right? We bite it hard. We fall down and we crash and burn. Sometimes we let the waves go by. Sometimes we're facing the wrong direction and heading in a completely opposite direction. But, but you know what he said? And you can get focused on that, right? You can, you can feel shame and guilt, whatever else he said. But the, but the thing is, every moment there's another opportunity. There's another wave of grace. There's this cleansing flow, right? Just to kind of wash over you and bring you back home. And, and instead of Instead of living in guilt and shame and staying off the board, whatever else he said, why don't you stand back up and just quickly just say, God, would you forgive me? Just restore me. And take and just enjoy that next wave, that next moment that you have with the living God. Friends, that's like God's grace to us. I'm going to quit talking about uh, grace. And I'm going to give us an opportunity now. I Ryan come up. He's going to play a little bit here in a moment. But we're going to have an opportunity to receive God's grace again in communion. And it's, uh, there's nothing special about the, the juice or the bread. It's a reminder. Jesus says every time you eat of the bread, every time you drink the cup, I want you to remember me, he says. I want you to remember my love for you that's seen perfectly on the cross. I want you to remember the grace and the forgiveness that's available to you free of charge to take care of all of your past all of your past sins, all of your present sins, and even future sins. That grace is available to you free of charge. But every time you take the cup and you drink the bread, remember my grace, remember my forgiveness, and receive it afresh in your heart. This is another wave of opportunity for you to take your sin. We all say the communion table is not a place for righteous people. It's a place for sinners like you and me to come and to lay down our sin and our guilt and our shame, to confess it to God, and then to, to receive his grace afresh and walk out of here free. Free to live a new life with him. Forgiven, assured of his forgiveness, of his love, of his peace, of his presence. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to, this is, we do these because they're completely safe and they've been sitting there for days. So there's no Corona or anything on anything, but you can open this little thing on the top. There's a little piece of plastic. There's a wafer here on top. Why don't you go ahead and open it because it's noisy. So open that now, take the wafer out, put it in one hand, then open the cup and leave it open. And for just a minute, I'm going to have Ryan play and, and we're just going to pray. We're going to use this time just to, to turn our eyes towards the Lord. And if there is sin or junk on your heart, I want you to confess it to the Lord this morning. If there's ways that you feel like you're distant from God, I want you to confess that to the Lord this morning. If you've never opened up your heart and life to Jesus, and you've been doing life on your own, I want you to turn your heart to Jesus this morning. Use this as an opportunity just to cry out, Jesus, I need 
you, would you come and forgive me? Would you come and cleanse me? Would you pour out your grace on me wherever you're at? Go ahead and open this up. They should be underneath your seats if you haven't figured that out yet. But go ahead, open that up. Take the wafer, open up the cup, and just sit here. We're going to take about a minute or two. Ryan's going to play. And just spend some time with the Lord and confess your sins. And then together we'll receive his grace in just a minute. Okay, let's pray together.
Would you let us hear your voice this morning and know your smile as you proclaim over us, it is finished. Your sin debt has been paid in full. We want to walk in your grace. We want to know your presence and your love. And we want to walk out of here this morning reassured of your love, your presence, but also reassured that we are free. Would you come and just restore us? Would you come be glorified in us? Would you come and let your grace do its work in us? Not just that we would receive it, but that we would also go from here to live out your grace in the world that desperately needs it. We love you, God. We need you. We just lift up all these things to you in the mighty name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen.